I thought it was just ironic that right in the middle of, or right at the beginning of the series called The Choice, we would all have to make some choices in a voting booth. Uh, but let me just ease your spirits right now. We are not talking about politics today. All right. So everyone say amen. Thank God, right? So you can all, everyone take a deep breath. If you stay off Facebook, you do not have to hear politics all day today. So congratulations, you're all very welcome. All right, so no, uh, we're talking about the choice, and um, today we're gonna be talking about attitude. Turn to the person next to you and say, do you have an attitude? Now, if you said that with an attitude, they probably gave you an attitude back and said no. And now you both have attitudes. Now, today we're talking about, talking about attitudes, all right? And so turn to the person next to you and say, attitudes matter. Your attitude matters. You guys ever heard the, the saying, right? Your attitude determines your altitude, right? That's the last time I'm going to use that cheesy tagline today, so don't feel like we're going to use it over and over again, all right? But today we are talking about attitude matters. Before we get into it, I want to tell you a funny little joke slash story. So there's a guy named John. Someone comes up to John to give him a parrot and this full-grown adult parrot, which I don't know what age exactly an adult parrot becomes an adult parrot, but nonetheless... He gets a parrot, and this parrot is just like the most vulgar, nasty thing. Like, everything that comes out of the parrot's mouth is negative. He just, like, gives John a hard time all the time. Everything, he just, it's very vulgar, just this bad bird, you know? And so uh, days go by, and then weeks go by, and the parrot's just nasty to John. And then months go by, the parrot's just nasty to John. So finally, John just had enough. So he grabs that parrot and just throws it in the freezer and closes the door. And after like two or three minutes, he lets the, the parrot back out. The parrot just comes walking out and he just looks at John and is the most cordial ever. He was just like, John, I just want to apologize to you. I feel like I may have offended you a few times the past few months. And I am terribly sorry about everything that has happened. And John's like, man, that's the craziest thing, right? And the parrot says, can I ask you a question though? What exactly did the chicken do, right? So anyways, some of you will get that in a few minutes. Anyways, moving on. But how many guys know that we have to, in each day, uh, life comes at us, and in each day, we have to make a conscious decision. How are we going to approach life? And when we approach life, we're going to have to do so in a way that a lot of times we have to adjust our attitude, because how many guys know that when life comes at you, sometimes it comes at you hard, and it comes at you violent, and it comes at you in a way that is exhausting, and it just takes a toll on you. And so attitudes matter, but we're going to talk about today and have a look at how we predetermine how we're going to handle our days and how our attitudes matter. Before we get into that, let's read our verse for today. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life. What the Lord is saying to us here is that we have the choice on how we're going to approach our day. We have the choice on how we're going to walk out our attitudes and we have a choice on how we're gonna allow it to affect us. And as we're gonna look at and a little bit affect our mission as well. But before we talk about our daily approach, I wanted to talk to you about the, our end time attitudes. How many guys will acknowledge that we, we don't know where we are in the end times, but we know we're somewhere close to it. You know what I'm saying? Like it is getting crazy and crazier and then crazier out there. And so we're approaching the end times. Where we are in that process, we don't know, but it's getting crazier out there. And there's four personalities, uh, or not four personalities, but four 
four uh, ways that our attitudes affect us that I feel like we need to be very cautious of. And so I want to give those to you real quickly. Take out your sermon notes. We're going to go straight into those. The first one is that in the last days, people are going, well, oh yeah, sorry. Thank you. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 3 says this, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Do we not see that, right? Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Parents going to give them a nudge real quick. Just, hey, he's talking about you right now. Better get your act together. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, and unforgiving. And so for those four last ones, let's just hit those real quick. Number one is that people in the end times are going to start to become ungrateful. Ungrateful. And man, how does that not hit many of us right between the eyes? Because if we're not careful, we won't recognize everything that God is giving us and everything that God is doing in us and through us and for us. All we do is become fixated on what we don't have. And then we compare ourselves to the Joneses and what the Joneses, how God, God, how come you blessed them with this, but you haven't blessed me with that? How come you given them this, but you haven't given me that? But then you don't realize that the Joneses are trying to keep up the Smiths and the Smiths are trying to keep up with the Woohaws and the Woohaws are trying to keep up with the whatnots and the everybody's trying to keep but listen, we need to just understand that the, that the Lord has given us a certain measure of whatever we have in our life, that we need to be grateful for everything that we have and start recognizing that it's all a blessing from the Lord. But in the end times, people become ungrateful for the things that they have. Next, they become unholy. Unholy. That people that know Christ start to deny the character and values of Christ. Now, let me just like add this caveat. And if you've been with us for a while, you've heard us say this before. One of the things that we can do for those of us that know Christ, for those of us that have the morals and the character of Christ and the Holy Spirit guides us, the Lord guides us through each and every day, what we have to be careful of is not to expect the world that doesn't know Christ to follow in order with those of us that do know Christ. In other words, some of us keep trying to judge the world. We're trying to judge, you're only going to hear me say this one time, politics. You only, we try to judge uh, people that are in power. We try to judge our TV. We try to judge movies, all based on what we think is morally correct, but not realizing that they're not saved. So how are they going to produce movies and music and TV shows that aren't Christ-worthy and don't reflect the character of Christ if they don't know Christ? And so we look at them and say, oh, shame on you. You should be better than that. Why should they be better than that? They don't have any moral compass to go by. So essentially, we're asking birds to fly. Or I'm sorry, we're asking fish to fly and birds to swim because we're asking them to step out of what they are. So sinful people sin. And prayerfully, Christian people are nice, but that don't always work out in our favor either. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just going to just put that in your plug and hold on to that, all right? So unholy. Number three, people become unloving. Man, if anything I've learned this week is that people have terrible priorities. And I'm not talking about, man, I'm talking about how we treat each other. That's what I'm talking about. And that is strictly it. You can vote, whatever. You can, I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how we treat each other, man. We got to start loving people 
We can love the differences in each other. We can love the similarities in each other. We can love what we have in common and we can love what we don't have in common, but we love people. And if we're going to be Christ-like, we have to love people. But in the end times, people are going to stop loving people. That mean you got to love that guy that sits in the cubicle next to you at work that chews with his mouth open. I don't know. <laughs> that smacks his gum. You know what I'm saying? Like those people, <sighs> you know, I see how some of y'all already like starting to fan yourselves. Like I can't, I just can't deal with this right now. It's, it's hurting right now. We got to love people, right? And then lastly in this category is unforgiving. People become unforgiving. In the last days, people will become unforgiving. Now that's huge, man, especially for people that follow Christ. How dare we, all right? Listen, I, man, I have to, we all have to choose to forgive people. And, and if we're honest, the hardest people to forgive are the ones that hurt us the most that were closest to us, all right? So let's not misunderstand what we're talking about. I don't have a problem forgiving the store clerk that shorted me a dime on my change, okay? As if any of us use cash anymore anyway. So I don't have a problem with that. What I have is the person that was close to me that hurt me the most. But we have to choose to forgive them. But how dare we as Christians not forgive someone for how they've offended us, knowing how badly we've offended God, yet he so freely gave so much grace and mercy to all of us through Jesus on the cross. Man, I think we need to get a priority shift in how we forgive people. We don't forgive people because they deserve it. We forgive people because we never did. Forgive because you've been forgiven, not because they deserve it. Amen. And forgive for you. Like, forgive for you. So you're not forgiving someone that hurts you because you feel like you're letting them off the hook. You're letting yourself off the hook. You want to know why? Because they own you. As long as you don't forgive them, they own you. Don't believe me? Watch. Go to Walmart or something one day and see, see them, and they are shopping. They are happy. They see you. They don't think two thoughts about you, but, man, you're sitting there. As soon as you see them, your face starts, you guys start to, that blood starts boiling, man. You just start to get angry. They own your thoughts. They own your mind. You can't do anything. Why? Because they own you. So when I'm telling you to forgive somebody, I'm not telling you to forgive them because it's good for them. I'm telling you to forgive them because it's good for you. Some of y'all are going to grab a hold of that, and some of y'all are still going to be mad at Walmart tomorrow, but that's just whatever. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come, the Lord has come, that they may have life and have it to the full. How many guys are ready just to have life to the full? Like, I'm just, I'm done with this whole, like, living subpar thing. I'm not talking about, like, financial prosperity live to the full. I'm talking about living life to know that God is using me to accomplish something on this planet greater than just me and start to walk out a mission and a purpose that the Lord has for me. And if he throws a couple dollar bills my way, I'm totally cool with that too. You know what I'm saying? So <clears throat> here's what I want you to do. How many guys in this place would acknowledge that somewhere in the past, maybe it was a year ago, maybe it was 10 years ago. For some of you, maybe it was like 25 years ago. The Lord kind of gave you a dream. He gave you a passion. He gave you something. And over the years, it has been ground, grinded or ground down to nothing. And you just don't even think about it anymore. But there's part of you that every once in a while, it surfaces in your spirit and you go, man, I would really still like to do that. Anybody in here today? I want you to write that down right now on your notes. Write that down. The rest of y'all need to get dreams or something. I don't know what y'all are doing. You need to write it. I want you to write it down right now. 
And I want you to start praying over that thing because I feel, I mean, I, just, I don't know why. This isn't like, this isn't, really doesn't have anything to do with attitudes. Maybe it does. I feel like the Lord just spoke to my spirit when we were, getting, when we were preparing this message to tell some of you that some of you just need to start dreaming again and some of you need to start preparing for the Lord to do amazing things in and through your life. Something he gave you a long time ago, he wants to stir that back up. He wants to bring that to fruition. He wants to use it so that the gospel can go forward through whatever dream he put into your life. Whatever he stirred up in passion in you, he wants to use that so that you can touch people's lives with Jesus. So you can do amazing things and see things happen for the gospel. I just believe it. So I'm just giving that to you guys. some of, some, a lady came up to me after first service, after I told everyone to do that. He said, you won't believe this, but the Lord gave me something when I was 13 years old and I wrote it down and nothing happened. And yesterday I got a phone call that what the Lord gave me when I was 13 years old is finally going to happen in my life. And I was just, yeah. And I think she's like in her mid fifties or something. I was like, that's the, so she said, it's crazy. I went ahead and wrote it down anyway, but it's already happening. I was like, that's so awesome. You know what I'm saying? And so, man, I think we just need to start dreaming again. But the reason I, I think that the Lord dropped out of my spirit is some of you can't get past your attitude issue because you feel like whatever it is that you're passionate about got forgotten. Like the Lord just doesn't care or it's just not going to happen. And so you're living every day with a bad attitude because you feel like nothing's going to happen for you the same way it's happened for so-and-so. Well, I feel like maybe the Lord wants to change a few of those things for some of you guys. And you may not get a phone call today, so you don't, don't call me tomorrow. Like, Pastor Brad, you said this is going to happen, and now it ain't. No, I'm, I'm just saying, start looking for the Lord to open up opportunities for you. Amen. So we got to make the right choices. Every day, we are introduced to situations that require choices. Turn to your neighbor and say, choices. We have opportunities to make require, or that require choices. How we have set our mind and prepared ourselves for the choices affects our answer. So we have to realize that when we get caught off guard, when situations arise that position us to make tough choices, we need to understand and put ourselves in positions that we can think clearly about things that are coming against us. And so uh, one of the things that uh, I saw this quote and I thought it was just awesome. How many guys know like pessimists? Like pessimistic people, pessimists, right? They're just negative all the time. Like everything's bad, you know? Like, like hey man, you know, we're gonna order a pizza. They're, like, oh, they're probably gonna put the wrong toppings on it. It's like, oh God, you know? Like those people, like, I, I just don't do well with those people, you know? Like just everything ain't that bad, man. Like calm down, you know? Like just, ugh, you know? It's like, man, I just got a new car. It's probably gonna break down in a month. Like get out of the car, you know? Like. <laughs> Don't ride with me then, you know? But then you got optimistic people, right? Like people that are just positive all the time. You ever met someone that you don't think, you think they legit never have a bad day? Like they never, they're just always happy for no reason. It's like, why are you smiling so much? You need to like, hey, you need to calm down. Like life ain't that good all the time either, you know? Like, so I like, and then there are some of us that are realists. Are there any, are there any realists in the house? First of all, are there any pessimists in the house? You can raise your hand if you want to. Like I'm negative Nancy and I don't care, right? Okay, so. Like, and then are there optimists in the house? Like, you just never have a bad day? Anybody? No? I don't, okay. Right. Right. I didn't think so. Some of y'all. Some of y'all are like, ha. I'm like, you're lying. Put your hand down. So, um, and then there's realists. Are there any realists in the house? Like, you just, like, you're straight shooters, man. You just kind of hit it right where it's at. I consider myself a realist. I saw a quote one time, and I, and I wrote it down. I think it's, it's just, like, to a T describes some of us. It says, when storms come... 
The pessimist complains about the wind, the optimist hopes it'll change, and the realist adjusts the sails. I mean, life is gonna come at us with stuff all the time. Listen, I don't care how long you've been saved, I don't care how much you love the Lord, life is gonna throw things at us. Things are gonna come against us, and we can either like just complain about how bad it is, we can sit here and hope it's gonna change but not actually do anything, or we can start adjusting some sails in life and start seeing things differently and seeing our routes and where we're going differently and knowing that we're gonna be proactive about where the Lord is about to take us in life. And so I pray that today is a sermon that will touch your heart, but it will also help you adjust those sails a little bit. And let's start seeing through different lenses on how we see life. Amen. So um, the first one, talking about right choices on your notes, the very first thing, what we have to understand is that we're going to have to make the choice every day to change our attitude. We got to make the choice every day. I saw a joke I saw a joke pop up on Facebook, and it said, it said, uh, you know it's time to rethink your life choices when you are throwing away an empty McDonald's bag in the trash can in front of the McDonald's you're walking into. <laughs> I was saying, so, anyways, um, right, but no, how many of you guys know we gotta make a choice every day on how we're gonna live life and I think that many of us, and even for myself, one of the things that man, I strive so hard to do is wake up every day, man, just acknowledging how good the Lord has been to me. And I know that sounds like I have people that tell me that all the time. It's like, I wake up every day and I stand on my two feet and I just praise the Lord for giving me another day to breathe. And I'm like, usually I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah I got you, man. Like, calm down, you know. But in all honesty, man, I do, I try to do that. I try to focus my day, number one, on the Lord. Like, man, just what is it that you want to do in me and through me and, and with me today? And, and just acknowledge, especially, but how many of you guys know life just gets busy? And if we're not careful, we will blow through our day without, number one, acknowledging that God even exists, without acknowledging that he had a plan for me today. He's going to put me in front of someone today that I need to speak life into and proclaim the gospel to and, and try to talk to and just try to show the love of Christ. And a lot of days we could sit down on our couch at the end of the day and remember and think through the day. And we haven't taken one moment of the day to acknowledge or impact anyone's life because we've been so fixed on trying to accomplish whatever it is that we want to accomplish today. But what happens is when we get that busy, we also become frustrated. Because what society has done and what culture has done is forced us into a place that we're now pursuing things that don't matter and we stopped pursuing things that do matter. In other words, all we're doing is chasing dollars, but it's not making sense. Hey, ba boom, bow, write that down, all right? Because it doesn't, we're not pursuing things that really matter. We're just trying to survive. And a survival mode will dampen your attitude, man. Just turn you into negative Nancy. Sister sandpaper rubs everyone the wrong way. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, hey. Hebrews 12, one says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out 
for us. Psalms 19, 14 says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Man, and that, that scripture just hit me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing. Man, like, what are we speaking? What are we thinking? Like, what are we dwelling on? Because some of us are dwelling on negativity so much that we can't see the goodness of God in our lives. Oh, I know it's good. Y'all just hanging out. I'll see you. Number two, develop an appreciation for life. Develop a high appreciation for life. Again, I think some of us get so caught up in what we don't have that we've lost track of what we do have. And it's very easy for those of you that are new with us, or maybe this is your first time here, my son is is sick, and it's been something that is a constant for us. So for the last two years, he's been sick. And, and the way I, people come up to us, I'm like, how are you doing? How are you doing? And, and, and we're, um, we're doing okay. I mean, I think that's, there's not really a good answer for that. You know, how are you doing? Hey, I'm fantastic. Well, that is not, you know, that's not really true either. So we, we just lie to everyone. We're like, oh, we're good. But the, the best way I explain it to someone, has anyone ever left the house and maybe you left like the coffee pot on or you think you left the iron plugged in and you go through the whole day and there's this thing in the back of your mind that no matter like what's happening throughout the day, you can't, you, you, you only give about 90% of your effort to it because you're still, there's still part of your brain that's focused on something else. Like you, you don't know if you did or you didn't. That's kind of how we've lived life for the last two years. That it doesn't really, everything that is as good as it can get is still, there's still that thing that you still kind of got to focus on because you know everything's not just right. It's just okay. And we had to make a choice in our journey to, for this particular point right here, that, man, we're going to develop a high appreciation of life no matter what. So things can get, things, are, things have gotten really bad for us, but you know what? We're going to focus on appreciating every gift that the Lord has given us. No matter how bad things get around us, no matter how crazy things get, no matter what we, when we don't feel like there's hope, you know, we're going to have a high appreciation for the life that God gave us. Because when we look at it, we can understand, listen, we may have a child that is sick, or you may have a child that is sick, or maybe they're just plum crazy. Who knows, right? But there's someone over there that can't have children at all. So you need to appreciate the life that God has put in front of you. There's people, your marriage may not be everything you want it to be, but you can work on it because there's people that are praying that God would just send someone into their life. You may not be married, but you may have friendships that encourage you and they lift you up. But guess what? There's somebody out there that has no one to talk to, no one to spend time with. So it doesn't matter where you are and it doesn't matter what's broken in your life. You need to appreciate the things the Lord has given you because he has blessed you. You are blessed. You are highly favored. He has put something in your life. The mere fact that you're able to sit in this seat today and appreciate something about life should help you understand that I may not be where I want to be and I may not have what I want to have, but I got more than some and I'm blessed more than most. And at the end of the day, if nothing else, Jesus on my side extends grace and mercy to me and that blesses me more than anything else. And start appreciating the life that God gave. Yeah, if you sit long enough, you can think of things you don't like about your life. But I know some millionaires, man, and they're miserable. 
So whatever you think could fix your life won't. You got to start letting Jesus rule and reign in your life, man, and help start creating some high appreciation for what he's doing in and through you. A high appreciation for life. 2 Corinthians 6.10 said, Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, and yet possessing everything. When you have Christ, you have all you need. You may not have all you want, but you have all you need. So it's time we start living life focused on what we do have rather than what we don't have. Number three, it's time that you find something positive in everything. Find something positive in everything. I mean, sometimes this one takes work. I'm not going to lie. We, uh, um, myself and my wife, Ashley, we, we watch a lot of TV shows. Well, not a lot, actually. We watch a few TV shows. And um, there's one in particular, and she's like, hey, did you notice? How many of you guys like to watch the HGTV, like Home and Garden Television, whatever that stands for? I don't remember. Where they build houses and stuff. Anyone ever feel like extra ambitious, like you're going to go do it next? <laughs> Wrong, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you go buy like a flower pot from Lowe's and it sits in your garage for six months and that was like as ambitious as you ever got. Anyways, I'm not saying we do that, but okay, yeah, we, we've done it. Anyway, so, but we watched one of the shows and, and my wife pointed out something to me and I was like, man, I think I'm gonna try to implement that in my life because it, it, it's just, it's good, man. And she was like, that lady, every time she's talking to whoever she's talking to that's at the job, before she leaves the room, she just says, she encourages them with something. So like, you guys are awesome, or all right, man, you guys are just great, or I love the work that you do, or whatever. And I was like, man, how different would life be if we all did that? Like we would, some of our coworkers wouldn't even know, like, all right, who are you? You got a twin? Like, I don't know who you are. If we, every time we left a meeting, every time we left a room, we were just like, hey man, I just want you to know all y'all are awesome. We appreciate you guys. Man, how much, we could change the, talk about an attitude shift. Like we got, some of y'all, we got to get off of just saying negative things every time you're like, I hate meetings or whatever, you know, like, trust me, I know I came from, I came from a job before I was here. We had meetings for our meetings for the big meeting, you know, like we need to meet so that we can get together the stuff for the meeting so that when we get to the meeting, we have our stuff together. I'm like, we could have done this in an email, man. We have to show up an hour early for anyway, whatever. But we got to find something positive in everything and change the way we structure our day. Some of you guys, man, I encourage you. Some of us, how many guys have like neutral? What I mean by you're neutral is that some of us, when we're not intentionally positive, we're kind of neutral. We're not negative, but we're just kind of like, mm, you know, so I'm like, I'm not trying to be super like, hey, oh, you know, like, but I'm just kind of, I'm just flat, you know, I'm not depressed. I'm just, I'm good, you know? But then some of y'all, if you don't choose to be happy, you are like bottom of the barrel sad. I know I'm friends with you on Facebook, okay? So, and so what I'm encouraging some of us to do 
is if that's your personality type, you gotta wake up every day like with the mindset and the intention of like, no, 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 I'm gonna choose to live this day and with the joy of the Holy Spirit in my life encouraging me, and I am not gonna be looking down. I'm gonna be looking up for God to do amazing things in my life. I'm not staring at the ground because he hasn't. I'm gonna be looking up to the sky waiting on him to accomplish anything and everything in my life he plans to because some of you just need to get out of your rut. I know things have gotten bad. Okay, but the Lord has still blessed you. Man, it's time we attitude change for some of us. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. So the Lord knew. He's like, hey, listen, I get it. Like, it's very easy to get distracted by negative things circling you in life. Very easy to get distracted by hardships. It's very easy to get distracted by the things that aren't going the way that you want. So let's think about these things. Because you got enough of the other things distracting you. Let's focus on what's praiseworthy, what's noble, what's right. I was telling some, one of my small groups the other day, who has been a while now, Telling them about a routine that I have. I have a routine now where on my way home from work, because like, for example, I'm a pastor at a church. So um, a lot of times my whole day just consists of people kind of dumping their problems on me. And you know, hey, I signed up for this. So, you know, whatever. <clears throat> I don't have a problem with that. I, I actually, I feel, I feel that the Lord is doing amazing things when I'm able to help someone get through their problems. You know what I mean? That's what the Lord has graced me to do. So, hey, check mark in my box. You know what I'm saying? So I'm good with it. But here recently, we've been working over at the new building, which, hey, December 4th, we're moving into our new sanctuary. Praise God, somebody. Hey, come on. You have no idea how excited I am for that. Um, but uh, we've been working over the new building. Man, this week particularly has been chaotic. We've been rocking some like 12 to 14 hour days. Most, a lot of our crew has been volunteer. They've been like just dumping hours in this place. So we have been killing it at the new building. But how many guys know like when it, whatever you're doing to get that much work done means you're working that hard, right? And man, so this week I've been having to do this particular thing even more so than I've had to do it in the past, but I do it every day. And that is on my way home from work, I find, I have found the parking lot that I pull into every time now. It took me a few tries, but I pull into a parking lot. I turn my truck off for about somewhere between 10 and 20 minutes, and I don't do anything except just sit there. And I just like decompress from the day. Whether I just counseled 13 people, you know, and I'm just like, you know, or whether we just knocked out a 12 hour day. Um, you know, hanging lights from trusses and stuff, whatever it is, I just like, I stop and I just, I just take a minute. Sometimes it's 10 minutes, sometimes it's 20 minutes. Sometimes I pray, but most of the time I listen and I just sit there quiet. And the reason that I do that and the reason that I'm encouraging some of you to do that is because if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll carry baggage from one place to another. And so I noticed early on, a couple years ago, I've been doing this for about a year and a half now, but I noticed a couple years ago, I would walk into my house carrying my pain and my frustrations from work, and guess who I took it out on? My wife and my kid. 
and my dogs. That's a very important thing in our house, so don't laugh, okay? <laughs> right? So I come in, I'm frustrated about this, and, you know, if Javen freaks out, then I freak out. You know, my son starts crying, so I, you know, whatever, and then the dogs are doing stupid stuff, which they're always doing stupid stuff, so what's the difference on that? But, you know, and like, if I'm not, I mean, I could walk into the house, and m- my wife could have the best day, but I could change that quick, because I'm carrying frustrations from what happened to me at two o'clock today. And so what I started doing, I just started, man, I started stopping, pull my truck over. Now you gotta find the best place to do that. You know, I pulled it in the wrong parking lot a few times and I was like, "Mm, no, we need to, you know. (laughs) Sketchy, you know, you know, like. So I found the right parking lot to pull into and just sit, man, but I decompress. I just let the day kind of simmer out so that when I walk in my house, my wife gets the love that she deserves and the respect that she deserves. My child gets the affection and the love that he deserves. My dog, my dogs get whatever they get. You know, like whatever's left, they get the, you know, no, I'm just kidding. Like, but I'm able to walk in my house with a clear mind, but more importantly, with a great attitude. But you know what I mean? I'm gonna go in here. I'm gonna show my wife the love that she deserves. My child just, you know, and it has changed our marriage. Our marriage wasn't bad before, but I can promise you, if you ask her, she's like, ah, thumbs up. So, <laughs> except for now, she's going to kill me after this sermon. But, you know, like she, but we do that. Why? Because it matters. Because attitudes matter. And I don't want my house to be a war zone because I can't figure out how to leave my work problems at the front door. So if you're someone that doesn't compartmentalize that well, because men tend to compartmentalize better than women. Like men, like something can happen today at 12 and a man can be like, all right, that's going in that compartment over here. And then they can come over here and they can leave it in that compartment. Women, no. Y'all can't do that. Everything is thrown together like a gumbo. You know what I'm saying? So like, no matter what happened today, it all gets mixed in with everything else that happened today and all that stuff. So maybe y'all should take some 20-minute breaks too on the way home because y'all's compartmentalization is like, Ashley comes to me all the time. Someone will say something and she'll say, hey, what happened? And I'm like, I don't know. She's like, she, they talked to you, right? I was like, yeah. Well, what happened? They said that this happened. Then what happened? I, don't, I didn't ask. <laughs> Why didn't you ask? They didn't, they didn't ask me if I wanted to know. So I didn't. I didn't ask because they didn't need to tell me. So you didn't ask them more information? No, I didn't. They didn't want to tell me more information. If they wanted it, they would have told me. I didn't ask. Well, then what happened? I don't know what happened. I didn't. She's, we get into this all the time. So she, but all that to say, man, we got to figure out a way to adjust our attitudes and understand that if we're not careful, we can dictate everything around us strictly by our demeanor and how we walk into rooms. We have to predetermine how we're going to do that. Number four, lastly, trust God in everything. You got to trust God in everything. He always has a plan. He always has a purpose. He's sovereign, church. He's good. He's good. Even when it doesn't make sense, he's good. Even when you can't see how he's going to get you out of whatever you're in, he's still good. And so we have to trust, trust the Lord in everything that's going on. I remember I was, Jabin was in the hospital two weeks ago. So he, uh, he had a couple seizures and we actually didn't even publicize it. Most of you 
this is the first you're probably hearing about it. Um, Jamin went to the hospital and he had some seizures. And while we were there, um, he was fine. He ended up having to get uh, intubated and all that stuff. And, um, but then everything was good. You know, it was just one of those like freak out moments. Um, but it was, it was hard on us. You know, every, that whole thing is hard. Anyways, while we were there, I kept walking past, we were in there for three days. And I kept walking past the waiting room and seeing a baby's crib in the waiting room. And I was like, huh. First day, the Lord was like, you need to go check on them. And I was like, ha, no, nah, not really. And I just kept walking. <laughs> so the second day I walked past the room and I saw the baby crib. He was like, you need to check on them. And I was like, nope, didn't hear that time either. And I kept walking. And the third day I was walking past the crib and I knew Jabin was gonna be getting out of the hospital soon. So my chances to go in there were dropping drastically. Um, and so I was walking past the room, saw the baby's crib and the Lord was like, stop, go in there and talk to them. <laughs> Once again, your pastor was like, nope, nope, nope. That's a pepperoni pizza from last night, but that ain't the Lord talking. You know what I mean? So I was just like, kept going and the Lord stopped me in my tracks. He's like, get in there. And I was like, oh, okay. So I walked back there and I opened the door and I just walked in there and started talking to the family. It's like, hey, you know, how are, you know, what can, I said, I'm a pastor at a church. Just want to stop. And I've seen the crib as I walk by. I just want to know if there's anything I can do for you guys. And the girl starts crying and the thing, whatever. Her sister's in the hospital and needs a lung transplant. I believe it was a lung or a liver transplant, one of the two, and the whole deal. And uh, so they start sharing the story. And, um, and so I told him Tommy's story, you know, because his story's awesome, you know. And uh, I just showed him the video. I was like, let me just go get my laptop. Hold on. <laughs> so I went and got my laptop and I just sat it down. I showed it to Tommy and Cindy's video. And uh, I started talking about the sovereignty of God. And I was just like, I just want you to know the Lord's always in control of everything. And they're like, how can you believe that? And I said, I have to. I said, I believe it so much that I actually believe that the Lord let my son have a seizure so that we would call the ambulance, so that we would be in the hospital, so that I would walk past your waiting room, so that I would stop and talk to you, so that you could hear about how much Jesus loves you. I said, that's how much I believe in it. That he would allow us to go through momentary affliction so that you could receive the hope of Jesus Christ. And we prayed with them in the, in the hotel room and all that to say, but all that to say, if we feel like, if we feel like the Lord has abandoned us, it's very hard to keep your attitude in check. We gotta trust him in everything that happens in our lives. Everything that we go through, he's got a plan. He's got a purpose. Most of the time, we just gotta be willing to listen and know that he's in charge. He's in control. I'll give you this last quote. <clears throat> um, I just wrote it down last night. Matter of fact, well, this morning, the Lord woke me up and gave this to me at 1.30 this morning. It's time to be persistent for the mission rather than existent in your condition. I'm gonna read that again because I know that's sinking in for some of y'all. It's time to be persistent for the mission rather than existent in your condition. You can just leave that up there for a few minutes, guys. I'm gonna write it down. That some of you have been going through what you've been going through for so long that you're merely just existing. You're not thriving. You're not even really living. You're just waking up every day and doing the same thing over again and going to bed at night and you're waking up and you're going to bed and you're waking up and there's stuff in between those two, but you're not actually living a purposeful life. You're not living with intention. You're not doing anything to accomplish anything. You're, you're just existing in the conditions that's been given to you. 
But for some of you that'll grab a hold of this message today, I believe that it's time that we start to be persistent. It's time that we pursue the mission that God has for us despite our condition and watch God pull us out of that and do something amazing and great in our lives. Amen, church? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, you're so good to us. God, as we get ready to, Lord, for some of us, I'm hoping this is a turning point for our attitudes, for our struggles, God, to just give you everything. Church, before I pray over you, because I do want to pray over you, I first want to start off with this, with your eyes closed, your head bowed. Some of you in here, you may be thinking like, man, I I definitely need an attitude adjustment. I definitely need some of these things in my life to to change. This is, man, I'm I'm not healthy. I I need a turnaround in my life. But for that to happen, church, let me tell you this. You can't adjust your attitude enough if Christ isn't at the center of your life. And Jesus, the son of God, died on a cross. But when he died on the cross, what he actually did is he died because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And we all have sin in our lives. We were born into it. We've done it. We've committed it. It's a part of us. So the wages of those sin is death. So all of us were going to have to pay the price for our sin. And we were going to do so by going to hell. But Jesus came and he died on a cross. And when he died on the cross, he paid the price for us so that we could know him. But more importantly, that we could now receive grace and mercy that we didn't have to pay for those sins. He was actually going to do it for us. When he died on that cross, he gave us the ability to put our faith in him. And when we put our faith in him, we can actually be saved so that we don't have to pay the price. All we gotta do is put our faith in him in that he has paid the price for us. So if you were in here today, you're watching us on live streams today, and you're saying, I don't know Christ. Yeah, I need an attitude change. But at the center of that change has to be a life where Jesus rules and reigns. You say, I don't know him today, but I want to put my faith in what he did on the cross. I want to give my life to the Lord today. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I am going to ask you to do this one thing. If you want to put your faith in Jesus Christ today, would you just raise your hand? I want to know him today. I want to give my life to Christ today. God bless you. God bless you. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to point you out. I want to give my life to Christ today. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray all across the church. The whole church is going to pray with you. You can even pray with us on live stream. Even if you're in Starbucks, man, just freak the people out around you. It's all good. But I want you to pray this prayer. This prayer doesn't make you saved. This prayer is strictly an acknowledgement of the faith you're putting in Christ. And that faith makes you saved. Say uh, the whole prayer with the church. Say, dear Jesus, Forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me whole. Make me pure. Make me clean. Thank you for dying for me. I want to follow you all the days of my life. I put my faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, put your hands together for all those that prayed that perhaps for the very first time.